Hello and welcome back once again, finally, to PicardCast. We are so excited to be back uh, covering season two. Uh, first episode has just dropped here in the States. And I think uh, by now, you by the time you're hearing this, it will have dropped in the UK as well. Um, I'm your host, Rebecca. I haven't done this in a while. I'm forgetting how to do it. But let me introduce <laughs> my co-host. Brooke! Hi, Brooke! Hi! <laughs> I feel a little rusty, I'm not going to lie, but uh feels great to be back talking about Picard, a brand new yes. episode. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, so excited for this, could not wait. Um I'm excited for our guest. Oh yes, we're also excited for our guest, let me not get ahead of myself here. Uh, joining us for uh, season two, episode one, is our very good friend from the Smorgasbord podcast, Stephen Farshad. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, hey, hey. Woo, crossover episode. To start <laughs> <Yeah>. the season. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to t- talk about Picard, and I'm actually just as equally excited that PicardCast is back. So. Aw, thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks. having me. Oh, no, no. Thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we have just been, I mean, eagerly awaiting this first episode. Uh, so much stuff to talk about. So much to break down. Uh, I've got some theories. I'm sure you all have theories about things, too, because that's what we love to do. We love to talk about theories. Um and uh, Easter eggs and all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, uh, having said all of that, uh, this is your spoiler warning. Uh, we are going to be spoiling everything in this episode. So if you have not watched this episode yet, I don't Sorry, know. that was my alarm. Yeah. <laughs> red alert. <laughs> I did not. Red, red, red oh, alert. I'm also <laughs> red alarm. <laughs> red alarm. Spoiler alert. Yeah, if you haven't watched um the episode yet, I don't know why you're listening to this. You should watch it first and then come back here. So um we are gonna dive right in. So this episode is called The Stargazer. Uh great title, and we're gonna see how it's uh, a kind of a double meaning here for the episode. The synopsis is Starfleet must once again call on legendary Jean-Luc Picard to members of his former crew, uh, Cristobal Rios, Seven of Nine, Rafi Musiker, and Dr. Agnes Girardi discover an anomaly in space that threatens the galaxy. A very Star Trek synopsis. Uh, am I right? Like, it's like... Probably at least half the episodes in all of Star Trek involve some sort of a spatial anomaly that threatens to devour, you know, all life. Yeah, I don't think um, we've heard about a, a spatial anomaly threatening all life in a long time, though, right? Uh, sorry, well, on Discovery, sarcastic. they are. I was like, I was like. I was like, discovery. Wait a minute, are, you, are you watching Discovery? Because that's kind of the whole plot of this season. Um, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry. Hashtag sarcastic. I, I got a little weird feeling about something. I'm sure I'm completely wrong, but it's just strange how they're running two shows simultaneously that have a large spatial anomaly. So I don't know. Is there some deep, deep, long, weird connection a thousand years apart? I guess. Oh my we'll gosh. Oh man, if they somehow managed to tie this into Discovery. I mean, I, I will, I will be. My jaw will be on the floor if they figure out a way to do that, I think. <laughs> I mean, the, Discovery needs a little help. If you've been watching Discovery, it needs a little help. And I yeah. think that from this pretty clear, strong start to season two of Picard, I, if they tied them together, I'd be with you. I'd be on the floor with you because that, oh, yeah. uh, that would be amazing. I agreed. 
this episode was written by Terry Metalis or Magalis. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. And directed by Douglas Aronofsky. I want to say Aronofsky, but that's not correct. Aronofsky, I guess. Um, I'm terrible with names. Uh, Our cast is uh, pretty much our cast from last year. We've got Patrick Stewart, of course, as Jean-Luc Picard, Alison Pill as Dr. Girardi, Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, Michelle Hurd as Rafi, Evan Evagora as Elnor, Orla Brady as Laris, Issa Briones as Soji, Santiago Cabrera as Rios. Um, and our guest stars this week, of course, John Delancey as Q, who we knew was going to be in the ep- in, in this season. And, uh, but they uh, didn't show his name in the opening credits, though. I right? think I think he was listed in the ending credits. Yeah, like because a I was sitting there watching it, star. and then it's like, and Whoopi Goldberg, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I... Yes, I was very excited that we were getting Guinan in the first episode. I wasn't sure when she was going to come in. Um, and then Q at the very end, of course, it makes sense for what's going on, I think. And then just a little note here, a Dylan Hale as um, young Picard, um, who we saw in some flashbacks. And this episode, as of I checked about an hour ago, is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so the critics have loved this first uh, first episode, which is very exciting. Uh, okay, so the episode. Yeah, I do ahead. have to give a warning. I'm really sorry if like sometimes I'm gone for longer than I should be. My dog is being crazy. I love her, but she's crazy. Anyway, proceed. That's sorry. okay. No, no worries. No worries at all. So in the first scene, we're on a ship. There's a there's a red alert happening. Crews are running all over the place. Security's going to the bridge. I kind of like this the viewpoint we have. We we're following these three crew members on the turbo lift, and you know they're you you can see them. They're just like mentally like getting ready for like whatever they're gonna walk into. Um, they open up on the bridge, and there's phaser fire everywhere things are sparking there's i mean it's it's a disaster right i do like that we don't really get to see the whole scene right away what we do see though i i did notice like these tentacle things um which i mean to me my first thought and this is sort of jumping towards the end of the episode but my first thought was they looked like the dr octopus yeah, um, right. They look like the Doc Ock stuff. The his, Especially his, coming on yes. the heels of, of a Spider-Man movie that we probably right? all just saw a month <laughs> exactly. or two months ago. Exactly. Yeah, that was that and, was a little and, odd. Yeah. I was gonna say, if you've seen uh, it, what well, Into the Spider-Verse, it's a it's a Olivia Octavius or whatever. So it's like a very it's like true a, a woman. So yeah, <laughs> so then, yeah, that kind of goes back to the end of this. It's like oh, weird. Anyway. Yeah, I actually for I, that's a great point. I actually forgot about Into the Spider Verse having Olivia Octavius as as Doctor Octopus, but um, yeah, but we we do see our we do see a lot of our main cast here. We get glimpses of Gerardi and Rios and Seven. Um, we hear Patrick. Uh, we hear Picard uh, start the auto destruct sequence. Um, but then uh, it's it's the Borg Queen that she's there, but we're still not really seeing her, and they, and they they're really keeping it very, you know, 
I, I, I liked this cold open scene. I really did. How, how did you guys feel about this sort of, you know, jumping right back into the world of Picard the way that they did? Um, so typically, I, I don't know, I guess I'll go first. So typically, I don't like this style of, you know, storytelling where you, you know, skip to like, you know, maybe the middle of the story and show this craziness that's happening. And then, of mm-hmm. course, 48 hours earlier. And right. I, I, sometimes I feel it's a little lazy. I got you. With, with, with how, I don't know how long, do you have any idea how long the episode was? It's kind of unimportant, but with. It was, the, it was just under an hour. So I think it was like 53, 55 minutes, something like that. Okay. So with about 35 to 40 minutes of this episode being a little on the slow side, a little backgroundy, catchy uppy, I, I didn't mind this way to go because if we, we start with a bang and we see these three cadets or not cadets, but lower decks, if you would, because it's shout out to one of my favorite Star Trek shows ever, Lower Decks. But um, you see these these crew trying to catch up to the bridge, and the doors open, and right away you see green fire, and you're like, oh, it's on already, it's on. And then they bring us back down, and I, I think that if they would have just started with the down, I would have been a little eye rolly until I'm like, come on, come on, come on, get there, get there. But they didn't. They they hit me with the with the with the excitement and brought it back down and then punched me right in the face at the end of the episode. So Yeah, I, I kind of feel like season one of Picard kind of went the slow build up to the action. Um which I think worked for that story because we hadn't seen Picard since, you know, the movies and we needed time to ease back into his life. Now we've got a season of Picard under our belts. We know what he's been through. We've seen where it left off. Let's jump right into the action. And I, I agree. I think this was a great way to start the episode. Um, what about you, Brooke? What did you think of the opening here? Oh, maybe she's with her dog. So that's okay. We shall soldier on. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm here. I promise. I was just no, no problem. Uh, I, I really like this. Like, you know, you were talking about season one, how it's kind of slow. Uh, the thing they did good with that is that they put the two episodes, they did the two first episodes together because otherwise it would have been too slow. And I think they realized that this one might have seemed too slow in the beginning and then did the whole two days before or whatever, two days after, whatever, the whole thing, 48 hours. Um, but I did, it was funny because it made me think, oh no, uh, Steve from Scenic Cast is gonna hate that. Yeah, I don't know if he even watches it. I don't think he even is really into any of this. But it, that's the, always the first thing I think of whenever I see that they're jumping to the end of something at the beginning because spoiler, Steve hates it. Um, and it's funny. So then we come and then uh, Steven's like, I don't know if I like that usually, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it this time. <laughs> um. But yeah, the middle of it was kind of slow. And I'm like, are they doing two episodes again? Because at one point I'm like, why is this so long? There's so many times that things that could have just been the end. And I felt like um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, what is it? The Return of the King up all the fall I was all with like the, the with like the 10 endings that you think the movie's yeah, over, but it like, keeps on going. <laughs> every time they have it built in for a commercial break or something, there's like, it's like such a buildup. Like once it was like halfway through the show, then it's kind of like a build up, and you think that it's going to end, and it doesn't. Oh, anyway, but I really enjoyed it, and 
uh, yeah, I am excited to see more this this. I almost said semester this season. <laughs> the semester. <laughs> well, I mean, for the cadets, yes, it is their semester, so you're not you're not far off. <laughs> um, okay, so after our first scene, we get uh, the new the new opening. The music is a little updated, a little more fast tempo, uh, slightly different. Uh, well, it's not slightly different. It's totally different credits with, like, the the broken glass that we see throughout this episode when he's in, like, the that sunroom or that solar in his house. Um, so, yeah, I like the new opening. Uh, I like that they kept the music but just kind of brought a little up-tempo. I thought that was really good. I, again, I think it fits the, the tone of this season so far. It's definitely um, – it's definitely – more adventure right from the get, uh, which I like. I like that. Um, so then, of course, we get the 48 hours late, uh, or earlier bit uh, where uh, it also did make me think of that, that thing where um, it's such like a tropey 80s thing where it's like something's happening, like something crazy, and then like the scene stops with a record scratch and it's like, yeah, bet you that's wonder how me. I got here. Bet you're wondering how I got into this situation. <laughs> it's just like, it kind of made me think of that a little bit. Um, but now 48 hours earlier, we are back on earth. Uh, Picard is once again in his vineyard and I was very happy to see number one. I was so happy to see his little doggy. Number one, Yay. very exciting. Uh, and uh, I do love, you know, he's on, he's in this vineyard, which is like a centuries old method of, of how to make wine, but it's totally updated, right? They're, they're <laughs> literally transporting the ripe grapes off the vine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit much, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, kind of like also not, I don't, wouldn't say transporting the labels onto the bottles. It seems like they were going out of their way at this vineyard to make easy things kind of complicated. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I agree. It was definitely like, look how advanced we are. Our winemaking mm-hmm. techniques are centuries ahead of yours. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, yet they had a bunch of manual labor taking the buckets off the transporters. Exactly. <laughs> like, if, why not just go all out and have like anti grav units, right? And just <laughs> anyway, whatever. Or why don't it's... you just take the, the the grapes directly off the vine? somewhere in transport break down the molecules and just have it reappear as wine already in the bottle i mean let's just go all the way with this thing you know you know you're not wrong i mean <laughs> yeah it, it is a little silly i don't i don't deny but i personally enjoyed it because it's silly star trek stuff and i love that kind of stuff um uh, I I like I love how they're dressing Picard this season so far. Like he's got his jaunty little hat. He looks adorable. Um, later on, when he's sitting by the fire with Laris, he's wearing a Chris Evans sweater, and I was like, yes, yes I, we stand I that very much. Flag. I always love when like he has like these uh, Federation leather jackets or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always got, like full like uniform or whatever anyway that's later yeah yeah no i love it um back on tng when he used to wear like in later seasons where he would wear that like gray turtleneck with a suede i always called that his uh, casual friday uniform (laughs) (laughs) i imagined if they had a casual friday on the enterprise that's what it was um so what did you call the uniform the outfit that he wore 
when he was down on that planet where he met Bosch. Oh, what his um his like onesie, like his, short, his short silk like outfit. Sexy silk pajamas. That's like that's his yeah. sexy loungewear. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to call it. It was that's pretty true. sexy though. That's even that's even lower than casual. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not appropriate for the bridge, not even on a casual Friday. But that's appropriate for lounging on Risa. Yes, it um, was. I did enjoy this little scene between him and Laris um, when they're doing the, the uh, different toasts, and he 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 says, "Cheers, big ears." I I absolutely laughed out loud. I thought that was so adorable. Um, I do like that they talk about seizing the moment. Well, Laris talks about seizing the moment. Um, and they, they, they kind of toast Jabon, who's gone, and, um, she says that, you know, the way that Romulans mourn is that they, when they lose somebody, they then move on and love again, even in a bigger way to honor that first love. And, and, um, and, and immediately. Yes, very, and immediately. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, that's interesting. So was it like Jabon died and then she was like, Hey you, sexy thing. What you doing later? Like it was yeah, like, yeah, the qu- into Picard in the hallway in those pajamas, like <gasps> loungewear. Oh Listen, yeah, I my, my question is: Was there already those feelings, and then this is the opportunity, or is it when the guy dies, it's just the next closest person in the vicinity? I mean, she's Romulan. Who knows? Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I just have to say, I wrote, no, 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 I don't want Picaris or Lacard or whatever you can call it. But anyway. So, so that, so that's my question. Are, are you a fan of what appears to be a, a romance blooming here or, or not? And, and be honest, like, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But like, what do you think of this clear attraction that seems to be happening? Listen, Beverly, Beverly was supposed to be with him. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, you're, you're Beverly Stan. Okay, I get yeah. it. I get it. Um, I mean, I she would have never made it with that alien ghost if Picard <laughs> just, you know. <laughs> I don't know, personally, I, so from like in the moment watching it, I'm, I, I'm saying to myself that this feels forced. Um, but then later on, I start to realize that it absolutely is force and it's huge part of, of the plot. And it seems like it's going to be a big part of the plot for the entire season. That's what this whole thing is about, is about pushing people away and, 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 you know, not embracing and opening up his heart because his eyes were always in the stars. Um, I think it was a little bit of a, of a clunky, convenient way to get there. But like as far as like the romance between the two of them, I'm I'm not particularly into. But I like it because we need it to 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 move the plot forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very interesting to hear. I mean, I I understand the Beverly Crusher stand. I completely get it because I am always a Steve Rogers, um, uh, Peggy, Peggy girl, Carter? Peggy Carter. I I couldn't think of her last name for a second there. I am always a Steve Rogers, Peggy Carter girl. Like I'm I'm I'm. OG original with that stuff, but I I get that. But I I felt like even in season one, 
him and Laris had a connection that I felt like him and Jabon didn't have. And I'm not saying that there was like anything romantic happening, but I just felt like the scenes that they shared together were, I don't know. I felt like there may have been just a deeper understanding or a deeper level of friendship between the two of them in season one. And then I think in season two, they're asking us to make the jump to what they're, they're presenting as the next logical step or the next, the next progression in their relationship now that Jabon is gone. And I, I don't know if you guys would agree, but it sounds like maybe not, uh, which is totally fine. Um, I, it doesn't it's, bother it's almost too much for me in the very first episode. Gotcha. You no, know? I got because that. It's like, Oh, okay. You just, I mean, like now we know, like if it had gone in their head and it had been sort of like a, Ooh, maybe, but not like them actually <clears throat> talking about it as much as they did, you know, an almost kissing kind of thing. Like if it had just been glances like there was on in the vineyard, you know, like that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then later, after all this stuff that we know is going to happen, I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we know what's going to happen in this episode. But obviously, Q is involved, so there's going to be all kinds of crazy shit that happens this season. Then whenever he comes back in the end to her, then may you know what I mean? Because it's I like understand. Then he it, might it would, come because yeah. we know how he is. We don't have to have him tell us how. Brooke, he is. I, I think that that makes total sense as as far as the character of Picard and and what we know. But I think that they really had to spoon feed us this early on. You know, the mm-hmm. name of the episode is Stargazer, and we are, you already alluded to that it had it's a double meaning, and mm-hmm. the fact that the P- Picard is the Stargazer in this in this in this season and in this episode, and we we have to understand what the opposite, what he's fighting against, and and mm-hmm. one is the, the grounded relationships, the the nature of relationships in general, romantic relationships being very grounded versus being a stargazer. I just think that they had to spoon feed us this early to kind yeah. of drive their point across. But yeah. I do with you that that character wise, what you said makes makes much more sense naturally. Yeah, to be a little bit more organic in the way that that would develop. But yeah, I, I, I think you're both saying absolutely like I, I think you're both making a, a, a lot of sense here because you're right, Stephen, they had to spoon feed us this. Otherwise, how do they set up the whole rest of the episode, how do they set up the whole season without this, mm-hmm. you know, love interest. But then I do think what you're saying, Brooke, makes a lot of sense as well to make it more organic um, in, in more of those longing looks and, you know, almost makes it feel like, you know, Remains of the Day or Howard's End or something. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it, mm-hmm. They could have like both turned around on the lounge chairs and like looked at each other, but then not like leaned in and him like stick his hand, you know, like it, it I, like, I would have been with it up until, like, right then. And then I'm like, no, I don't want this right now. This is not the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hear that. I absolutely <laughs> I love it. Orla Brady, by the way. I think oh, she's I, great. I, I do, so. too. I was so happy she came, she was coming back for season two. And um, in the in the Ready Room episode uh, that Will Wheaton hosts after this one, Patrick Stewart talks about working with Orla Brady. And he said that the scenes that he has with her between – and actually, they're almost done filming season three because they filmed season two and then they immediately started filming season three. Yeah, um, uh, that was part of the stuff that came up whenever uh, John DeLacy was saying how many episodes he was in, that they did season two and three like back to back. 
Yeah, and uh, so Picard, uh, Picard, <laughs> Patrick Stewart was saying how he said he's had some of the best experiences working with her as, you know, working with another actor, and um, he was just really singing, which was really great. Um, and they, they, they clearly have very good chemistry together, like, in scenes, like, in season one, where they were, like, doing their, like, detective work, trying to figure out what was going on, like, she was, she and him worked really well together in that. Um, and she clearly, I mean, has stayed on to, you know, work there and, 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 and be with him. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad she's back. I absolutely love her. Um, so the, the next scene is a, is a flashback scene. We see, um, Jean-Luc as a, I wrote a plucky little boy in a comically giant newsboy cap. I just... If you didn't actually say that you had wrote that in your notes, I was going to bring it up because I thought it was amazing. <laughs> he was just, I was just like, where, why are they dressing him like this? It's still the future. It's not like he grew up in the in the 1840s. Like, what the heck? It was hilarious. You know how fashion comes back around? True, true. That that cap was so gigantic on that little kid's head. It was so funny. <laughs> um, so he's in like this like sunroom or like uh, that's what I keep calling it. I don't know what else to call it. Um, it's now kind of all sort of you know uh, broken down, not taken care of. But as a little boy, he was in there, and then his his mother joins him, Yvette, and. She's talking about this can be our place. You know, your your father's out in the fields all day and your brother is studying in his books and, and this will be our place. And he asks her, like, will you fight less then if this is like our sanctuary? And we get like some some quick scenes of clearly there's there's some fighting going on. And I would say even some domestic violence stuff is happening. Um and then there, there is a scene which I do want to talk about a little bit later. And uh, it's a quick, quick scene which I do want to discuss later on in the in our our discussion, where his mother is on the floor and she's being pulled through a door. It's it's very, very quick. Like it's a very sort of almost like a horror movie scene. She's on the floor on her stomach and she's being pulled through a door by an unseen person and she's like reaching out like trying to stop it it's like it's super quick was it real like was it a real memory or is it just like him having this feeling of like everything being pulled away from him because right. you know we had like that dream in last season that was we so it's like he could totally have like these daydream you know what i mean like it may not be literal, is what I'm trying to say. It may not be. Um, I mean, it was uh, interesting, to say the least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's definitely. Um, and there is a reason why I want to come back to that scene, and maybe you all have um, – you, you may all already know why. But uh, I – so he he's remembering clearly not having the best childhood um, – Rebecca, before we move yeah. on to that, I just wanted to ask real quick. So um, you had mentioned that possibly it was like a domestic violence situation. And, and, and I think that maybe what they were kind of like hinting at, I think that I, I leaning, I'm leaning towards no for, for several reasons. I think okay. one, because 
of the horror movie style, like dramatic being pulled away thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the reality, if mm-hmm. I had to guess, the reality lies in between what Brooke said and actually being dragged away. Like, like something terrible definitely happened, but it, his mind is remembering it in, a, in an absolutely like traumatic, in the most traumatic way he can imagine it. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that it was something <laughs> external, not not like domestic violence, because. The only thing that hits me that majorly is that the Chateau Picard and the living quarters that are there are beautiful, but this room has been walled off for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right? So this was their space, and yet something really terrible happened here. I mean, there's still, like, pieces of broken glass and stuff. Right. So there's a reason why he closed these doors and shut this whole place off. Like, mm-hmm. For sure. Real reason. And, and I know that domestic violence is absolutely traumatic thing for a child don't get me wrong but i feel like it might be something bigger than that yes and that okay Mm -hmm. let let's just talk about this real quick and then we can always circle back um at the very end of the episode right when the borg queen is taking over the ship picard starts the auto destruct sequence it's the 10 second countdown she says to him picard look up and she says it in a different voice than the Legion voice that she had before. Like the like whenever the Borg speak, it's always like a legion of voices all speaking at once, right? Because of the hive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says, look up. So here's a question. And maybe it's silly and maybe you guys will laugh and be like, Rebecca, you are insane. What have you been smoking? But is there a possibility or is the show trying to set up that his mother is the Borg Queen? That's, what have you it's, What it's, have you been a, smoking, Rebecca? Yeah, I know. It's no, a, I, I think that I think that's what they want us. Amazing, and I love it. They, <laughs> I think they want us to think that at least there's obviously two ways you can take that scene, at least surface wise, that sure. somehow the Borg Queen is her mother, and his his mother, and she was drug drug away and assimilated a long time ago. Um, okay, that's one possibility. And the other possibility is, of course, when he was assimilated himself, all of his memories became their memories, and she, she the Borg Queen knew what to say at that moment that would have the most impact. So she drew from his memory, which is now their memory, and said, look up, and quoted his mother. So there's kind of two surface ways to take that. I think that there's probably the third option, which I don't know what it is. But I think that those are the two things they want us to at least be discussing now after the episode. I I like what you're saying there, Stephen. Like that's that's kind of where my mind went. Also, is that um, is that it, is it merely just a case of because he was assimilated by the Borg, they clearly had access to those memories. Is it just them accessing that memory and saying it to him? Um, but then again, too, you have to remember that in the, in the Star Trek canon, in Voyager, they destroyed, like, the big Delta, the, the big, um, um, information hub that they had, which cut off a lot of the individual ships from accessing, like, all of that central data. Does everybody, does, is it, did it go to the cloud? Did it get backed up when they plugged in their iPhones? Like I don't know. I uh, 
So I, without I, going like too crazy into anything, because obviously yeah. this is a whole separate discussion that, that leads to lots, lots of things. But I think that they're, especially being so far removed from Voyager and time-wise and, and everything-wise, I think there's still ability to dance around that and not okay. have to worry about like people remembering that. Because Voyager is my favorite series. And honestly, right. until you brought it up, I was like, oh, yeah, they did do that, didn't they? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And, and and I've watched Voyager seven or eight times straight through. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there is some dancing around. Because honestly, and, and I'm sure you'll get to this in the episode, but th- I think there was lots of dancing <laughs> around about the fact that Picard is 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 a synth, like I, th- I think that they kind of wanted us to forget that in this episode. Um, maybe. Well, only maybe. one reference. Yeah, I mean, command functions are offline. So, Steve, you were you were saying about how they danced around Picard being a synth. Yeah, I, I think that uh, what are we thirty five years removed from from Voyager at this point, and I, and I think that. Um, if they have to tiptoe around that canon, because I know that a lot of fan I, I co-host with somebody who's a giant Borg fan that would like to the Borg acted on Bridger. Right. You know, he he's a huge fan of the Borg and they kind of made them too weak, I guess, took away really worth what the feet would appreciate them dancing around the events of Voyager Voyager, not like erasing them, but maybe not really kind of having to do and wavy stuff out and really addressing it and like i said like i that they kind of did with him being a synth this season i i think that was a very bold choice for for picard for season one to do and i don't think it landed with spoilers into how i felt about this episode i think this episode this this season was like you know what let's really go after something this year and really give them some want, which is clear by bringing Guinan and q into the episode by the way my two favorite characters in the entire star trek universe mm, okay and, cool and you happen to say oh by the way steven they're dancing around a little bit the fact that they're not erasing it but they're, they're kind of just avoid talking about it in mm-hmm. my opinion okay i mean yeah you're right we are 35 excuse me we, we are 35 years removed for a little fuzzy about what happened in voyager and not really remind everybody about it i mean that's their choice to do plenty of franchises have done it so it, it'll be interesting to see because seven does say in this episode i've been decimated right mm-hmm. so they are they are no longer the terror that they were when we first met them you know the they just keep coming and they destroyed us wolf 359 and that i mean the only thing we can go on is what they tell us in the episode right so they do say that there's not a lot of like they don't really mention like um like um chroniton morale stuff. They mention it's really just like a hole in subspace, mm-hmm. um, which we've seen the Borg do. We've seen them open up stuff in subspace to travel long distances. Now, Rebecca, while we're on this subject, real quick, and I know this is a crazy Charlie consp- whiteboard conspiracy theory thing, <laughs> but I want a lot of it to be true. Now, you are current on Discovery. I'm Two episodes behind. I'm gonna might be as well. I'm on nine. I can't remember what number I am. I'm trying to remember the last episode I saw was and I watched them. Not for current stuff, but slight spoiler for Discovery Season Four is that they mentioned a hole in, in, in this uh you know space or whatever it is, and they mentioned that it's gonna take an an linear Right. So yeah. And I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to make the connection here, but it's kind of odd that they mentioned that same thing. So I, I'm leaning towards these Borg 
are from stand towards that these Borgs are from a different time. They, they're they're mentioning Hawkins particle radiation, whatever that is. I'm not familiar with what it is, but they're going out of things that that, that make it sound like this rift is not just something that can just happen out of sure. nowhere at in our current time. There's something that's extra dimensional or timey, wimey, whatever it may be. So these are the Borg that have been decimated. Um, at, during our time, quote unquote, the current time for, for, for at the Picard show. It's interesting you say because just just on your theory at all. Um, somebody has board, to. Neil's not here, so somebody. Yeah, no, stop! No, no, it's fine. Um, the board queen does say that they want peace, but first they need power. So that I took that to mean maybe they and I mean we are like all over the place on this episode, but like I took that to mean. They did not have like maybe they used their last bit of power to open mm-hmm. up this this hole in space, whatever you want to call it, to come through. And the fact that they are supposedly asking to join the Federation, I mean, we're going to get to that later on. But I mean, is this the Borg showing up and being like. Yeah, we have no power, so we're going to sue for peace. But let me just grab all your power here real quick, and then maybe if I can power up, I won't need to sue for peace. I I kind of feel like that's the card they're playing here. Um, So you think this is like their last desperate act of the current Borg? I am 100% on Seven's – I'm 100% in Seven's camp on this where she says – they ha- they are decimated, and in the la- in the absence of power, they will go to whatever else they can do to complete their mission of assimilating, absorbing to reach another level of perfection. That's the Borg mission statement, right? Is that's what they do, and they've never ever stopped doing it. You know, even with the Voyager stuff, when Janeway makes that deal with them. At the end of the day, they do try to renege on the deal and they do try to assimilate Voyager and her whole crew because they were it's just it's not in their nature to do that. So I'm sorry. Hang on a second. Sorry. Chris's phone just started playing something nice. <laughs> weird. Hey, the phone is clearly a Borg tool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so much for being an off mic producer. I know. <laughs> No, I've isolated uh, myself in a mountain cabin. Uh, good just, idea. Just for this episode. <laughs> good idea. Don't want to don't want to be on the grid for the board to find you. <laughs> um. Anyway, okay. We I know we're 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 talking a lot of Borg stuff. We're kind of all over the place. Let's let's get back to our recap, and then uh, again, as the stuff comes up, we will definitely keep going back. God, there's something else that's driving me nuts, though. But I am so tired of sabotaging your show. I, no, I, I no, gotta... no. Go go ahead. Okay. Last it. thing. Last thing. Are you no, okay fine. with the fact? that they are glossing over the Borg was this all powerful thing. The last time we saw them and now they're, they've been decimated. Are you okay with that? Are we going to revisit that? Or are they just moving right? They're just using that as a plot point moving on. I would, I feel a little like they have definitely yada yada over all mm-hmm. of that. Like, Oh, the Borg are so scary and terrifying. Yada, yada, yada. They have no power and they're completely decimated. Mm-hmm. I would like to know what, are we, if we're going to say, if they're going to yada yada over it, then we have to take what the canon is, right? We have to say then that the stuff that happened in Voyager is what decimated them. Because mm-hmm. if that is the case, 
then we can't make that canon too fuzzy in this. It, yeah, we, that's true. You make a so strong like, point there. You can't have it both ways. Either what happened in Voyager was so devastating to the Borg that it absolutely wiped them out as a superpower, then everything that happened in Voyager has to be so important to this. Yeah, so, and I, I, I love what you're saying. It makes all sense. But the only problem I have is we're talking about the undefeatable, all-powerful, scariest villain in all of Star Trek canon. I get it. From start to finish. And now we're saying, oh, yeah, they're decimated, by the way. Yeah, we're not going to even talk about it. And, oh, what I, happened to them? Oh, the Ferengi made a bad trade with them, and it, and it ruined them. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Who beat them? Here's my Doctor Who reference. It, it's like when they had the Daleks. You know, they're so scary and... They can't even take stairs. Yeah, 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 that that's a great example, Brooke. Is yeah. they they have taken and many franchises have done that, right? They've taken villains. I think it's um okay. So I guess it's now my turn to bring up a Star Wars reference. It, they they did that with Darth Vader, right? They they took Vader in in the prequels, and a lot of people complained about this was that they they made him. How are we supposed to believe that he is the stuff of nightmares? When his origin is that he's like, I don't like sand because it's rough and it gets in my underwear. Like it's 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 a it's a bit much. Well, whiny Star Wars fanboys don't want to see whiny Star Wars boys. I guess I got I I get that you know so it's yeah no I I, I get that I mean yeah I was trying to draw a Star Wars parallel but um, I'm just ruining your thing sorry yeah. <laughs> no no you're fine so I mean they have done it in other franchises and you're right Brooke yeah they do sometimes make Daleks terrifying and other times they're they're not terrifying and I don't know I do hope that there is some more backstory coming to us about how the board became completely decimated to the point that if now they're like suing for peace, like what the heck? That was never anything that they wanted to do. I, I do hear what you're saying, Steven, and it is a little kind of annoying to be like, wait a minute. So what happened that they are like this now? We're just supposed to accept that and you're not going to give me any background on it. I, I do hope they give us background. I, I would like to know more about uh, about how, how they became so decimated that now they want to join the Federation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, Very interesting. It's a, it's a compelling storyline, and I just hope we get to get to see at least some of it, you know? Yes, and I just I, – I just last thought about this stuff is just that I just go back to what Chakotay said to Janeway about the whole Scorpion thing, about how it's in my nature. And I think the Borg in their nature will never be peaceful. They never will be. It is not – in their nature. There's and only, there's only one problem with that. What's that? <laughs> oh God, I'm so, I'm so I, I, I just keep, the only one problem is that, that in, I don't want to say in today's climate, I, I hate that, but Star Trek has always been the franchise that, that makes you see things from other people's perspective sure. and be sympathetic towards them. Sure. And I, I find it hard to believe that in 2022, they will just allow uh, entire race to continue to be faceless and 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 bloodthirsty and conquer thirsty. Like I I know that whether I want it or not, I trust me. I want the way you're saying. I, I very much took to my soul. Do I want that? Them to be just the ultimate evil, and this is all a ruse, and they're about to get destroyed in season two, and then in season three they're rebuilding. I I would love that, 
but I I just know that the the way things are and and the way Star Trek is in general that they're gonna they're gonna make the Borg multifaceted once again and okay I hope it's done well I really is I'm not I'm not gonna discount it. I'm not here to, to shit all over it I'm not I just I just I don't think it's gonna be as straightforward as that even though I very much want it to be. I get what you're saying. I do hear. I do hear you. Um, I mean, only this uh, this episode, this this season will tell us more. Uh, hopefully, already. So sorry. We, no, no. This we kind of do. We did, but it's all it's all good stuff, and it's all part of the episode, which is great. But um, so yeah. When when last we saw Jean Luc, he was a newsboy selling papers on the corner for a penny and he, uh, in his giant hat. Um, He's an extra he, from Newsies. <laughs> he does. Um, what does he need money for? I know they don't need money because it's you know the future, and of course we get uh, the his mother telling him to look up at the stars, look up, um, which is then comes in transitions to a really great se- segue of him now like as older Picard l- looking up, and we sort of pull out all the way you know past our solar system and all that, and we do finally see this spatial anomaly that has opened up. Uh, it's the USS Avalon is the ship that's reporting into Starfleet Academy. And it's a very cool graphic. It looks like it literally looks like it, it's it, two things are just being pulled apart yes, um, and opening. Beautiful. Very it, it well was done. gorgeous. I thought it was be- beautiful, like bright and green and all that and just pulling apart an opening in space, which was absolutely beautiful. Um So then uh, we have Picard and Laris at, at Chateau Picard. Um He's uh, looking for a specific book. I do love how he all he says is he's looking for a book and she immediately goes off and finds the one that he wants without him even like really just like he starts to describe it. But she's already gone to get it, which I thought was such she's so like in his head. She knows exactly what he wants before he even like can voice it, um, which I thought was just adorable. He tries to talk to her a little bit about last night and and she's like, listen, you were being you. And, you know, he tries to do the whole nothing has to change. And she's like, uh, yeah, of course, it's going to change, you know, and I like how she says it's if we don't talk, if we don't acknowledge that there's something else here, then it's going to be awkward. And I love how she says I'm too old for awkward. <laughs> And I felt that. I was like, girl, same. (laughs) Too old for awkward. Picard goes off to the Academy now to give his speech. I do love that she tells him in the age of transporters, it is a, you have to make an effort to be late. And yet somehow you managed to do it. And I just, I laughed because I'm like, we all know someone like that, right? Right. My, one of my best friends is always late, always late. And yes, totally. Holly would be like that. Hey, I, I was on time for this. Okay, I, I, okay. I, I was late. I was late for this. It's your show. It's totally fine. Um, yeah, my I, my friend was late to my wedding. <laughs> like, she showed up an hour after it. So, hmm. <laughs> no big deal. Hilarious. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So at, at the academy, we see Picard is in his admiral's uniform again. Um, we see Raffi is there. She has rejoined Starfleet. 
uh, in her commander's uniform. He's giving a speech to the class. I think it's I think it's the graduating class. And um, who is a cadet in the audience? It's Elnor. I was so excited to see him as a cadet. I thought he looked great. I cheered. Yes, I did too. I was like, yay! I never really noticed until just when he was up there uh, talking that the uh, United Federation flag looks uh-huh. like the un- uh, the UN flag. Like, I oh yeah, it's it's always yeah. I mean, it's always looked like the UN flag. Yeah, I can't believe I never noticed it before. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the Federation flag, which is cool. I do enjoy all of the flags back there, like of all the different planets that are part of the Federation, which is neat. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy Picard's speech here. Um, I like how he talks about his ancestors who were like explorers and all that. Uh, but I love his, his ending of the speeches. He's like, I, I'm going to leave you with, you know, the words of, of my mother, which is to, look up Jean-Luc and let's see what's out there. I do also like this line that he said in the speech. He said, may you boldly go forward free from the shackles of the past. You know, this this whole season is really, I mean, it's setting, we, we knew it was going to be time travel stuff. It's setting it up for that, though, in a lot of different ways. Um, Picard says the true final frontier is time in his speech. Yes, he does say that. You're right. And then we hear the song Time is on my side a couple times. Yes. <laughs> no, it, I mean, they are definitely hitting us over the head with it a little bit at this point about the time travel stuff. After this scene, we now are on La Sirena, which was uh, uh, Rios's ship. Now Seven is on the ship. She has um, medical cargo on board, but there's pirates that are... T- and coming on and trying to steal her stuff. Um, I do like that we see one of uh, one of holograms that uh, Rios has had installed from from last year. Seven said mm-hmm. she merged them together. <laughs> she merged all of them. <laughs> Can I just tell you how much I loved this iteration <laughs> of the hologram stuff? I he was a little bit of everything, and I just. Mm-hmm. I was glad that he was still speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. That's that's that was my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was oh my gosh. I absolutely loved this scene. I thought it was great. And I just I love when Santiago Cabrera speaks Spanish. I just I love it. I love his accent. I love the way he sounds. I love that she's just like now and he turns into a person. Yeah. And, and beats him up. Yes. yes. <laughs> also so when they when they defeat the pirates, where does Seven beam them to? In space? Does she beam them into space? I hope not. Oh yeah, she oh she definitely airlocks them. <laughs> I mean, did she bring them back to their ship? I mean, where did she send them? <laughs> it was so funny. I just I loved it. I, I just loved the interaction between the two of them. It was so great. <laughs> oh yeah. What's the actor's great name scene. again? And the, the that gentleman. Who plays Rios? Yeah, you you said it you said it so beautifully. I just wanted to hear it again. Santiago Cabrera. Yeah, I mean, when when he's playing, like, I'm not like a huge fan of him so far, like as captain, but like when he plays these holograms, I I could watch I, I could watch a spinoff series with just him and and Seven. 
I love him. He's so good playing all these parts and everything. I just love him. Is all the parts, and he's my Latino space pilot in this. Like I have a ton of them. But no, I like him as Rios, but I mean, what I mean in this season, like in uniform, he seemed a little more reserved. Obviously, you know what I mean. Listen, he was in captain mode, and I'm here for it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's back in Starfleet, and yeah. I think he's definitely like he's got the cigar, but he doesn't light it. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's just, he's just chewing on it, and he's got the lighter in his hand. He acts like he's gonna light it a couple times, and then just never does. Never. Yeah, I think he, I think it's just like a nervous thing. Like he's, he, he's just, he's just got it in his mouth, and he's playing with the lighter, like he wants to light it. But I'm like, that cannot be Starfleet regulation allowed. Like I'm sure that there's no smoking allowed anywhere on any Starfleet ships. <laughs> No, he he definitely is in captain mode. Um, yeah, I I do. Um, I mean, obviously, it's only the first time we're seeing him like this. I mean, I'm guessing. I'm I'm guessing with the whole time travel stuff where they go back in time. I mean, they're going to be having lots of like adventurous stuff happening. I mean, I think we're going to get a lot of Rios being Rios. So uh, that should be pretty good. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um. So they're they're at the anomaly as well, and I love how Emmett is is it's it, it's a great techno babble scene, and it's in Spanish, which I I don't think I've ever heard before, and I just loved it. He's just he's like techno babbling about it, and it's in Spanish, and I'm just like, this is great. I love this. <laughs> I was totally thinking, oh, oh my god, Rebecca's gonna love this. Like it's I know. You know, I love a good techno babble. You know, yeah. I, I love a good walk and talk. I love a good techno babble. Like, I love that stuff. <laughs> and it was in Spanish. It was even better. I mean, hit all the, it ticked all the boxes. It was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, he could tick my boxes anytime. Oh, well, same. Anyway, so the, <laughs> the Stephen, could he, could he tick your boxes? <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly, but you know who does tick? Every single box I have is that uh, Elnor. That oh boy. Oh, every oh, all the boxes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> all the boxes. You know, we we saw him live, of course, at C2E2 2020, and uh, he was just so excited to be on the show and be part of Star Trek. And uh, I don't know, just uh, sometimes he uh, a little get, I get a little hot under the collar when he's on on, on the screen. It really does bring back memories. It makes me miss all you guys. It sure does. It sure does. That was it. Was it was two years ago? Kind of right now, right? Yeah, it was. Wow, wow. And mm-hmm. yeah, it keeps coming up in my in my memories on Facebook. Yeah, it's um. I'm I'm a little sad you didn't tell us about this Elnor thing then or when we yeah for two. sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I guess I didn't reveal my crush on Elnor last year, but yeah. I, no, this is a big reveal. I had no clue that. Uh, Elnor was your guy, so uh, yeah, absolutely. Not... I'm I'm a married man. I'm pretty happy with with everything, and but uh, you know, somebody can dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> dreams are free. Um, <laughs> so, so in the next scene, we're on a we're on a planet called Raritan Four in the Beta Quadrant, and uh, Soji is there. She looks fabulous. Uh, I love her outfit here. Listen, she did look fabulous, but she's sitting around. Uh, just an exposition central, just like, hey, we've been out here for a year and a half and traveling, and ah, you know, 
Yeah, I I felt like this one scene is very exposition heavy on both of the characters here, like both on Soji and Doctor Gerardi. Like, but at least at least Agnes ain't real. Like she's one of us. <laughs> she's yes, I. She's great. Punk Agnes is now the only Agnes I would like. Thank you very much. Like she, <laughs> I absolutely. And she she looked amazing too. I I loved her outfit. Oh yeah yeah, I um. she's great i actually really like what they did with agnes's style this year like they've softened her look a little bit like last year she just looked like she was always like you know one stub toe away from a nervous breakdown and and now like her hair is curled and she's got a nice outfit on and she's wearing some makeup not that that defines any value people but i'm I'm so glad that she's uh, sort of nerdy but still cool. Yes. And her, oh God, I'm definitely going to cosplay her outfit. It was great. Anyway, I love Yeah. They, I have, they, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. I was just saying, I have very little experience with Allison Pill. And from her character last season, I was kind of just kind of right in the middle with, eh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, if she doesn't come back, I, I won't miss her. If she does come back, I'll be like, okay, this is fine. And then the scenes I got her in here, I'm like, Oh, I dig this one. I like yes. this. So. I, I like it a lot. It was so great because she's like, oh, oh, is this how pretty people flirt? Like, I, I, and I, I totally felt that. <laughs> you know, and his teeth. Oh, oh my God. I love, she's like, wow, white. <laughs> like, she's just so. <laughs> <laughs> and he's all kind of like creepy, like. Oh, I just wanted to touch the head and it created such meh, wonderfulness or whatever. Did you think yeah. that like he was going to like stop her and be like, no, 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 I'm just here to ask you, you know, what you want to eat or whatever. And it, and it just never happened. And I'm like, oh, I guess he was trying to hit on her. <laughs> it's like, he's like time to take her order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like, what, was... <laughs> what, what, just... what do you want to eat? Like uh-huh. uh, the chicken or the fish? <laughs> Yeah, this is super exposition heavy where we find out that like, okay, the ban on synths has been lifted. Soji and her group of synth people have been touring the galaxy. And I'm just like, like touring in a bus. Yeah, touring like, like Hamilton. I mean, what are they doing? Are they putting on productions in every planet? I, I didn't know. But although I would have to say if if Hamilton was still being performed this far in the future, bravo. I, I think I would be very happy about that. <laughs> I mean, this clearly, I mean, obviously, anytime you see Sir Patrick Stewart involved, you're going to get Shakespearean vibes. But yeah. there's clearly Shakespearean vibes going on over overall here in this storyline or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, oh, would, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if literally they were traveling Shakespearean group. Like, I, mean, I would maybe not be surprised are. by that. I wouldn't. Yeah, me neither. I do have to ask real quick. I, I haven't read read any kind of, um, you know, in, into this season. Is this kind of like a bridge and a send off to this character or is she going to be part of the storyline? It, it could be, but it's like, why waste her? Like, have her in the whole season last time and then uh, just one episode this time? One like for this, I didn't see her. Did, did you? I, maybe I missed it. Did you see her on this season on Picard? And they were in the they were how they went back to the past to our current time, apparently 2024 or whatever. You want to know why? Because she's the Borg queen, just like we predicted last season. 
the whole time. <laughs> we did. We kept saying that Sochi was the board queen. Really? Um, yeah, that was like one of our theories we held on to for quite a while. <laughs> that Sochi was the board queen. I, I will say, I mean, she's listed in the main cast. She's not listed as like a special guest. So I'm guessing she'll be in the whole series. I hope that she is. I, I, I would be sad if they got rid of her after this. Yeah, I don't I don't see any other reason for her to be listed in the main cast if she's not going to be in more than this. I just don't know where where her storyline fits into this storyline at all. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I I would hope that she is in the rest of the episodes as well. So, I mean, last season they definitely had more than implied that Agnes and Rios got together. Um, Here we find out that they did get together and subsequently broke up. And she told him, never talk to me again. (laughs) Uh, So when he contacts her, uh, he's like, "Uh, okay, I'm surprised you're happy to hear from me. Um, So he basically needs her help. Because he's at the anomaly and he thinks that she could, you know, help him with an- analyzing what's going on. So she uh, comes up. So he obviously be- beams her up to the ship. Um, Can I just say something? Yeah. Like, it's so weird that, like, she's talking on the communicator and everybody else is around and they can just hear him talking. <laughs> it's like they don't have cell phones. Apparently. Well, you know, that, that that's the thing about Star Trek. There's, like, very little privacy on Star Trek. Um you know, if, if if somebody goes to, like, you know, sick bay, the doctor's discussing the whole case with everybody. Uh, you know, oh, well, yeah, they came in for Toluvian flu and I had to give them an enema. Like, could, could you keep that private, Doc? Like, like there's no privacy. <laughs> Watch out. The Simpson over here's got Polorvian scabies. You better not get anywhere near them. <laughs> oh, God, not Polorvian scabies. Those are so contagious. <laughs> You'll never get rid of and 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 we all know how you're gonna get those skates. We sure do. Uh, it's by ticking boxes. Anyway, <laughs> I'll be here all week, folks. Tip your waitress. <laughs> um, so uh, we get to see Rios back in command of a starship. Um, we never got to see him in this mode, right? We only knew him as like Rios. You know, the guy with his own ship doing his own thing. Um, now here he is trying to fit in. Like, he's cut his hair. He's trimmed a beard. But the hair's still a little bit messy. Um, it's still pretty loose bridge. Like, he's he's very... You, you could see he doesn't run, like, a tight ship. Everybody's cool uh, with each other, which is great. Um, yeah, he's got the cigar. He's got the lighter. But he never lights it, which is funny. I do like uh, I do like how he says "dale" instead of "engage," which is which is great. Um, and I, I I like this is oh make it so. And when when Gerardi says oh you know that's what happens when you take like a legacy command. I honestly for a second I thought like did they give him the Enterprise? Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, ex- like, that's the exact that's the like, exact thought I had for a hot second. I was like, do not tell me they gave Rios the Enterprise and. Instead, it is the USS Stargazer, which has been redone completely. Of course, the original Stargazer, you know, is quite old. But I do like that they kept the quad nacelle. I like that they kept that. That was the one part of the original design of the ship. I'm 
Um, Didn't I say that the upgrades like came from the Borg cube? Yeah, we're going to talk about that later on too. But all of no, that—that's fine. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. But like they've—they've they've taken what they've learned from that Borg artifact cube that we spent so much time with in season one, and basically Starfleet has taken the technology and they've integrated it into their ships, which. Maybe not the best idea in hindsight, but um, uh, could they have foreseen that something would happen with that? I mean, when you start when when you start integrating hive mind components into your ship, you have to think maybe this maybe this isn't the best idea we've ever had. (laughs) They kind of assimilated the Borg, but anyway, I mean, they're just trying to make it better. And learn. No, no. First, true, true. It just kind of made me laugh. Like, is that really the best idea? Um, so, in the next scene, um, we're back at Starfleet Academy, and we're hearing cadets being assigned to their different ships. This was a great scene for a couple of reasons. Number one, they throw out right away three ship names, which Stephen, I'm quite sure that you got the significance of all three of them. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was kind of strange. I, I, I don't like when they're heavy-handed with the with the member berries. Mm-hmm. I I kind of would like to hear like new names and new ships designs, but yeah, I mean, obviously there's a there's a reason behind all this, but I don't know. I got mixed feelings about it, but oh, I'd like okay. to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, so I mean the the three ship names I I heard was the the Hikaru Sulu course a nod to george takei's character the grissom which was the ship from wrath of khan and the excelsior which was the ship from star trek 3 search for spock um of course i did not really know i knew sulu of course but ah okay no i no i didn't really was not sure yeah well i i mean i'll be honest with you i this whole episode is very member berry heavy i mean it is i feel like the whole season is going to be a lot of that just as a okay so just to throw this out there and steven you may roll your eyes at this i have a feeling you will (laughs) that at the at the end of the ready room episode they show like a very brief clip of the next of the next episode and q and picard are having like a confrontation and Picard says something to him about time travel or whatever, and or or what or, or or what's been happening in this altered reality or this other reality that he's in. And Q says to him, "This is not your yesterday's Enterprise." Oh my God! I, my, I, oh I, my. I knew you were gonna. He said something to uh, that effect, like, "This is not yesterday's Enterprise." Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Oh, he said the name of the episode," and um. I'll be honest with you, and I, maybe this makes me hashtag basic. I am a member berries fanatic. I do enjoy the member berries, um, but I get why not everybody does. Yeah, I mean, if the episode wasn't so sacred and awesome, <laughs> then I maybe wouldn't care so much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know. I mean, for me, sometimes I really, really like them. Like, I don't necessarily need everything to come back but i really like um oh yeah yeah like people uh showing up right. or whatever you know um just little nods it doesn't have to hit me yeah 
No, I, I, I get. I, you're totally honest. I am a member berries junkie. I mean, give it to me in a salad. Whip, whiz it up in a smoothie. I'll drink it. Like I <laughs> fucking love member berries. <laughs> it's like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> no, pointing at the TV. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, we we learn in this episode, in, in this episode, in this scene, uh, some more exposition. Picard is now Chancellor of the Academy. He's talking about how he's thinking about, like, changing the Kobayashi Maru test. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, everyone hated that test, except Kirk, who managed to cheat it. Um, uh, Raffi and Seven are sort of still together, but Seven is absolutely, like, definitely still part of the Fenris Rangers. And Raffi feels a little underappreciated. Um, you know, just Seven being Seven. He's being Seven, yep. And Elnor gets assigned to the Excelsior with Raffi. Uh, Raffi is definitely very protective of him, which is very sweet. Uh, we did, of course, in season one, learn how, you know, she's estranged from her own child. And you kind of see Elnor, she's kind of giving him that love and attention that she would have given her own, her own kid, um, which is very sweet. And, uh, I like the the book that he gives him is a memoir by Spock, which is great. And he's telling him, you, you know, you need to live a little, Elnor. <laughs> you need to, like, get out there a little bit. And I kind of, like, I do like so far this, this iteration of Picard that they're showing us. He is definitely lighter. He is, he's almost happy-go-lucky a little bit. Like, he's, he's just, after what happened in season one, I feel like he's settled into, like, you know, life is good, and I'm going to enjoy it for however long I have. And, and So, so uh, my, my point here I like is that we've got two different Picards from season one to season two, and at the basic core, it's season one, Picard feels like he has to save the universe and right a bunch of wrongs. Picard in season two, which is the Picard, Picard that I would like to see at age 100, it's, you know what? Things are what they are. I'm going to enjoy the end of my life and enjoy it. And they're like, no, bro, we need you. And it's like, ah, oh, shit, okay. I like that character build way more than I like the one from last season. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, just just the, hey, I'm, I'm going to go with it. You need me, and I'll give you what I want to give you when I want to give it to you. And I, I feel like it's almost like a backseat because, you know, obviously – not to be morbid here, but the series is called Picard. At some point, you're going to have to, which I don't know if it's ending at three or not, but he has to take more of a backseat to these other characters. And and other than the exposition and the backstory build, when it was time for the action and the present day stuff, the other characters are the ones that were kind of shining here, right? You know, even in, when they were discussing about what to do, Picard just kind of a background character, even though they turn to him he he's he still kind of just lets them oh, what do you think Picard he's like I don't know he actually says that I, I don't know <laughs> what do you want from me and and I love that I love this Picard because to me this is my Picard at 100 years old is more this character you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah do, do you think um maybe he's gonna like I don't know adopt Elnor or something like so that he can live on. I mean, I 
it, it's interesting because it's like even in even in this episode where Picard's talking a lot about like finding love and all that, I, I don't I don't feel like he's ever expressed like I don't have an heir. I mean, he does he he does say in the speech like I am the last Picard, right? Because unfortunately, his brother and his 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 nephew passed away, but like neither has Picard ever expressed the desire to be like. I want to have a son to carry on the Picard name. Like, I mean, he didn't like kids, remember? True, he didn't like children. He grew, he he, he definitely grew as a character. We saw him grow and change and, and be better with the kids. But as far as like carrying on like his, his, his family name, I don't think he's too worried about it. Like, I think in his mind, Laris will just take over if he goes and... She'll just keep running it for him as Chateau Picard. I mean, I don't know. That's what I think. But, you know, it's, it is nice to see Elnor kind of getting out of his shell. I mean, he really never be- he never really belonged to the Quitsopma lot. Like, he, he couldn't really be part of that group because he wasn't a woman. So he was sort of always on the fringe there. But here he is now in his own thing. He's a you know member of Starfleet Academy, and he's going to become, you know, he's going to go out into space and do his own thing. And I, I like seeing him come into his own like that. We jump back to oh the other thing I just wanted to point out it's it's a very small thing and it's not like crucial to the story, but just like you do get a quick scene um, of this, <clears throat> excuse me there is somebody who's like handing out assignments and whatever. And she's very clearly pregnant. And I always enjoy when shows um, include um, representation for pregnant women that she's still working. She's still doing her thing. Um, You don't always get to see that. Shout out to to Picard for doing that. I enjoyed that. Look at her. Pregnant but still working. I love it. A little thing, but I enjoyed that. So we jump back to the Stargazer. Seven now hails them. She's sort of in the anomaly area, too. And uh, this whole thing, another Star Wars reference, I felt this was a very Han Solo Lando moment where he's like, what did you do my ship? You mean my ship? (laughs) Like, it was very, um, it was very cute how he basically gave her his ship or sold it to her, whatever he did. And uh, he's like, you put some dents in it. She's like, it looks good. It looks good with dents in it. Um, So she's running, you know, how dare you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> so they start to get a signal, a hail from the anomaly. And this is where Agnes comes in, who, by the way, Agnes drunkenly climbing over and under things on the bridge was just, I don't know. It was just hilarious. Mm-hmm. That has to be the first time we've ever seen anybody crawl under that to get to that station, right? Yes, it has to be. That's amazing. I love it. I love this scene. It's like a reverse Riker maneuver. Yeah, it's a reverse Riker maneuver. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh, it was great. Um, I love how she very quickly analyzes it, and it it is a bunch. It is she said it was dozens, hundreds of languages layered over each other, all with one message: "Help us, Picard." And it's like, oh, well, they're calling for him personally. Okay. Which I love that little teaser that they are, that whoever is out there is calling 
for Picard to come and talk to them. I, I enjoyed that very much. Well, did you know for sure that it was the Borg, like, when they first showed up? Like, I thought it was, and then I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. It kind of Yeah, I, I was definitely Borg. Oh, like, yeah, me too. The green yeah. lasers at the beginning, to me, confirmed it. Yeah, I agree. That, because it, in, in the subtitles, it would say Legion. It gave it away because I was like, Legion? Well, that that's, that's to be the Borg. Who else is a Legion of people? It's the Borg. Um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like it, it, it was the Borg uh, right away, um, which I guess, yeah, we, we all had that same thought. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Now we jump to what what may be one of Steven's favorite scenes of this whole episode, probably, is uh, we jump to Picard going to uh, number 10, Forward Avenue, which I thought was just adorable. Um, and we see Guinan. Uh, she's... Loved it, loved it. <laughs> Yeah, what uh, Stephen? I'm going to let you kind of talk here because I know that you were very excited for for Guinan to come back. What what were your thoughts on this whole scene with Picard and Guinan at at the bar? So, this I don't know how to I don't know how to, I don't even know how to begin to break it down. When you see something, you hear something in your head cannon, you you want something, and then you hear that it's actually happening somehow twenty, thirty, forty years later, and you're like, oh, okay. So half your brain's like, oh, they're gonna screw it up. They're like, I, I don't care. I just want to see him on screen again. And then you get exactly what you want. It's like I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, you want to talk about two actors, and I'm, I'm gonna lump them in together because uh, even though we only got John Delancey at the end very briefly, it's every single thing I wanted. I wanted to know right off the bat how are they gonna talk about the aging. We got two, one completely timeless and ageless, and the other one a very, very slow ager. How are we gonna explain the way they look now? Because they're human beings in real life and that they have aged. I mean, we get the answer right away on both accounts when we get these characters. Guinan's is, you know, we choose to age. Now, okay, I understand that that sounds hand-wavy, and I've been complaining about hand-wavy and convenient, but that's that to me, that's Guinan. That's, yeah, I chose to age. Like, I, I, I've decided to speed up the my life at this point because that's what my choice is. Like, I, I love it. I love that. I, I love that we don't know anything about her species. We don't know. Uh, every time we we talk about her, it's like I'm. You know, you're a century old. I'm centuries old. Like, I love the mystery behind. The the only thing that I want further, and I I won't get it, but I want them to meet one more time because the last time they met, they were at this weird hand standoff thing where they walked in a circle because they were they, they were such arch enemies and they never explained to us why and i don't want the explanation i just want one last meeting between the two and i don't think i'll get it but i would love it and this scene here is i i, I lump it i'm lumping them together because i want to say that, that i don't think either one of these actors skipped a beat in 40 years I, I think that they went right into these characters again you know how difficult that is guys like you, <laughs> they haven't played this character in so long it's so easy to just go out there phone it in get your little paycheck pay homage to the character and move on but neither one of these people came out there and phoned anything in they stepped right back into it 
they didn't miss a beat. They they got the tone of the characters correct. They got the even down to the the inflection of their voice. It was 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 nailed to perfection. When 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 Q explains, first of all, I guess you see a de-aged John Delancey. I think that's what that was happening there. I, I don't know. I like how mm-hmm. it was quick and it wasn't touched upon, and there wasn't many speaking scenes of him as a young man. There's like, oh, by the way, let me age up real quick so I can catch up to you. And then boom, it's it's current version. And then with her, it's just like, I'm this is who I am and this is what I'm doing, and I'm a bartender still, and I love to give advice. And and then she goes into Earl, or, or you know. Uh, you're going to need something stronger than this. And, and they just start drinking like old pals and shooting the shit. And they're just, I mean, I could have watched two full episodes of them sitting there getting drunk and talking shit. Bottom line is Rebecca to answer your question. I, I, I fucking loved it. That's it. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's all I, wow. That is so well said. Yeah. This is, um, I got very excited when this scene started because when he, as soon as he, they showed he was on Forward Avenue and then it was number 10, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. You're going to see Guinan. And um, I, I was so excited to see that and that it was number 10. It was mm-hmm. great. And it's still 10 forward. Like, that's just the best. It's still 10 forward. I love that. Um, I did enjoy the Sorry and Brandy stuff. For those that watched the original series, that, is pretty much without many changes how they how that bottle looked on the original series whenever they had Sorian brandy um so that was i enjoyed that little little nod to the original series um i do like that she asked him do you want top shelf or a hooch and he's like oh hooch i think <laughs> that was great um a, a good friend knows to ask which one you need at that moment right um I do like how she does sit down with him and, and she, I like how they talk over like his, his fears and, and what he thinks. And, and she's basically telling him it's never, it's not too late to, to, you know, no, no ship has sailed. You can absolutely have a relationship with somebody. And she kind of talks about how, you know, you've been gazing into the stars all this time, but the answers aren't there. And the answers are inside of you and you have to you have to figure out why you've been so afraid to love somebody. Um, and I like how it, she says to him at the end of their conversation, she's like, we should drink because there is one final frontier yet to come. And it's it's almost like she knows something is going to happen. <laughs> um, but that because she does know she does know. She always knows. I know, right? She th- she knows it because she's got all those secrets in her giant hat. That's where she keeps them. <laughs> <laughs> this keeps episode them. was definitely brought to you by GiantHats.com. Oh, yes. 100% GiantHats.com for all your giant hat needs. <laughs> you know, with Guinan, she, like, feels things. She probably knows that something is off or about to be off because she did that before you know with um uh, in yesterday's enterprise she knew that mm-hmm. uh tashi r wasn't supposed to be there you know she just felt it right yeah she knew it mm-hmm. that's that's really really smart like i i, I mean you're right you're 100 right i didn't even think about that and like how could she know what's about to happen how could she know this is one last frontier other than the fact that his age is very advanced but 
still, you're right. She felt the weird time shift before, and she apparently maybe has some kind of come 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 kind of feeling about what's about to happen. That's a hundred percent right. Yeah, she um. Yeah, Guinan always knows stuff before it happens. Uh, I mean, even when he walked into the bar, she didn't even turn around. She knew it. She knew he was there. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a great scene. I mean, I couldn't have asked. I couldn't have asked for a better scene with Whoopi Goldberg and Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, I thought it was just absolutely great. Um, and I hope we get. A lot more. I mean, I don't know how much Guinan we're going to get, but I, I definitely would like more. And Stephen, I'm with you. I would love a scene of Guinan and Q together. I, I, we need to revisit that. We have to. Re- that is a big question so many fans have had. And uh, yeah, but you don't want them to answer it, though, right? Um, part of me does, <laughs> but sure. part of me. But but there is also a part of me where I would just like to see them square off again. And and, and I would love just the bear claws. I want to see her do the claws and I I want mm-hmm. I, I would I would love Picard to be like, what is this about? Like you seriously have to tell me. And then for the for the both of them to be like, Oh, he knows why. Oh, she knows why. Like I want them to be like this big mystery. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I and I also I honestly wouldn't remind mind a, a, a two-minute scene where Q goes to her, you know, in in this timeline where they have both aged themselves up, and she she puts the hands up for two seconds, and he goes, "No, I come in peace. I just have a quick question," and then then he asks or whatever, whatever it is, not question, but you know, obviously he's not gonna have a question because he's Q, but like. He says something to her that he needs from her, and then at the end he goes, you know, you're not as bad as they've always said you were or whatever. You know what I mean? Like a mm-hmm. little kind of like a reconciliation without actually getting into it. And then she says something like – she's like, no, 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 trust me. I'm much worse. And then they just kind of like look at each other, and that's the end of the scene. Like I would die. Like I, that, that's what I want. Mm, yeah. No, that I, I, I would enjoy that as well. I would enjoy that as well. Um. So yeah, the, after this scene, um, an admiral, Admiral Whitley, comes to see Picard. She's telling him about the message from the anomaly, and th- this is what's interesting because I'm like, well, we already know what it says because we were there. Um, but then she's like, the remainder of the message. I'm like, oh, there was more. Is she says it's the entirety of Article 15 of the of of the federation uh, charter and which is talking about uh, joining the federation <laughs> and that's to me incredibly interesting uh as as we kind of discussed earlier like this at the time you know we all thought it was the borg it hadn't been confirmed of course later on we do know it's the borg the Borg are saying we want to join the Federation. I mean, are they serious? Are they, how are they going? How are they a hive mind that has no, that does not allow for any personal liberties and they don't value other, other races lives. Uh, how are they going to join the Federation? Like they don't meet the qualifications unless they are going to drastically change every single thing about their society. 
So I, I don't know. It's um, it's it's pretty interesting. And of course, she hands him a com badge. You know, we we need you back in space one more time for one last mission. Uh, that that kind of thing, as as you were saying, Stephen. And of course, Picard accepts, and he leaves. Doesn't even say goodbye to Laris. He's just like, deuces, <laughs> leaving. <laughs> She's probably like, that damn human. He's just always comes and goes as he pleases. Yeah, exactly. He's fucking left again. <laughs> like he just, yeah. She knows he's gone off again to the stars. Um, you know, I don't know if it was in this scene or not when they when somebody mentioned the um, the 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 single like adding a, a huge piece as an ally to to the Federation and like a really strong piece. And I, I thought that was a really silly like thing for somebody to say that has any experience. And because like you just said, if the Borg were to join the Federation, there's obviously a major o- overhaul that needs to happen. I mean, the way they reproduce needs to be that that has to be gone. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yet, this person, I, I, I'm sorry. You don't like babies in drawers? Well, I, I just don't think that the Starfleet or Federation likes it. That's all. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm I love it, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not the Federation. Yeah, but you know, like I, I just feel like whoever said, I don't. Man, I can't feel the life of remember who said that silly thing. Yeah, oh, it's it's once Picard. Once. Picard says it actually. Which makes zero sense to me. Wait, Picard I, said it? Are you I'm sure? I'm pretty sure Picard says it, that he said... Oh, no, maybe Gerardi says it. No, no, you know what? I take it back. Gerardi says... It was Ag. Yeah, she says it, it would be... Like, do we want to put a bullet in the in the greatest ally the Federation could potentially yeah, have? Or like exactly. something like that. And, or, the, or, the, or the most powerful ally. And if, 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 if they were to become an ally and a part of the Federation... They would no longer be the most powerful part of it. As exactly. a matter of fact, it would take a lot of effort on Starfleet, the Federation's com- uh, part to to actually get to the point where they can actually be even remotely a part of the the, the collective way of life of of the Federation. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't really understand like if, that statement. If, I thought if, that was silly. Like if if anything, if anything. They should just go the route that they went with the Klingons. That just they just sign a, a treaty and they're allies. The, like like the Klingons aren't part of the Federation. They're not bound by Federation rules and how they run. Yeah, can you imagine like being like having to wear those uniforms and <laughs> not have the glory of battle? Yeah, no, exactly. And and I mean, can, can you imagine the Klingon Empire doing that? Of course not. They're they're far too. There's no way the Klingon Empire would say, yeah, we want to join the Federation and live under your rules. Like, that's not the Klingon. Again, that's in their nature. That is the Klingon nature. That's their way that they that they run their society, right? So by being an ally to the Federation, they can still run their, their society how they want. No, no, no chance, Rebecca. No, they but, can't. They can't go around assimilating people and still be allies with the Federation. Well, but but I mean that's but that's what I'm saying. If they truly wanted some kind of a peace treaty, then yes, they 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 would still have to give up the uh, the uh, assimilation stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. But but everything else, they they wouldn't be bound by like Federation rules. No, they. Uh, but yeah, but they. If they don't assimilate, they die, Rebecca. 
I, I, but but is that is that the case? They, they are physically capable of reproducing, but they have no idea. Like I said, it's a total fundamental change of every single part of their society, right? And they wouldn't even know. I mean, look look at the look at the episodes we saw in Next Generation where they were disconnected from the hive mind. They they couldn't even function basic motor functions. So you're talking about no assimilation. There's no way that I mean, no simulation means they have to somehow reproduce and be individuals. It's just a cascading effect. It's not possible. So right. what we're talking about here is 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 one way where they completely give everything up, and then Federation comes in and assists them to removing implants and getting the medical care they have, and then reincorporating the species into you know their quote unquote humanity, or they're destroyed and this is all a ruse. That's pretty much the only really option. The other option doesn't the other way doesn't there's no such thing as, as the middle ground. I get, here. No, no, I, I you're you're absolutely right. They they could not assimilate other species and still be allies of the Federation because right. they'd be assimilating fe- Federation citizens. And which they've done. We've seen that happen many times. Uh yeah, you're you know, you're you're absolutely right. Again, like my Doctor Who reference, um you know, the Cybermen, they still, you know, they're all connected. They upgrade right. people. They really can't stop doing that even when they're not connected. So I don't think they could do it. Right. Like, like could, could they even stop themselves or would they just be, like, compelled to assimilate every person they saw? <laughs> and think about it. It's just not possible because we're telling them they can assimilate, but in the end, if we're removing all their parts and rehabbing them, then we're assimilating them. Also, sharing resources and information and technology is a, is a, is a, a basic founding principle of the Federation. I don't think anybody would feel comfortable sharing technology and advancement with the Borg. I mean, I understand that we have to change our mindset. I I, I don't see a scenario, and of course, I'm not the writers of this show, and I'm I, I, I'm just a, a dude behind a mic here. But I just don't see how that's it's. I, I want it to be complex and cool, but I just don't see how it's any way other than just completely disassembling of them or going to battle against them. I, I, I don't know. I my brain cannot fathom a different. Unless obviously, what we're doing here is some timeline stuff and. And, and the course of history changes. Why they choose 2024, I don't know. That, that I'd be interested to know. I mean, maybe that's the the election. I don't know. <laughs> this this whole thing's going to be a parody about the next election. I kind of hope not, but a lot of things go that way these days. Yeah, I mean, in in the stream of time of Starfleet Canada, I mean, we're not terribly far away from, like, the Bell Riots that happened in – or that we saw in, in uh, Deep Space Nine – we know that in the 2020s, et cetera, like that, it's like a turning point for a, a lot of stuff that happened on Earth. May, and I'm not saying we're re, that we're going to revisit the Bell Riots. I'm just saying that this time period has often been looked at by Star Trek as a turning point in human hit history. I So maybe something happens in 2024 in, in the history of... Uh, of humanity that uh, they need to go back there and stop something from happening or keep something that did happen to happen. Like, is this going to be like a city on the edge of tomorrow kind of an episode where like, you know, Edith Keeler just has to die. Otherwise, you know, we lose the war kind of a thing. Like 
which by the way is one of the best original series episodes yeah. if you haven't seen it you must watch it it's so good yeah no um, <laughs> rights were in 2024 right they, I, I don't remember the exact year. Yeah, somebody, it, it was. Somebody's listening to this screaming and screaming at their phone. But yes, I it was in the 2020s. Okay, so the, no, it's definitely 2024. So, do you all think that it will? This season will kind of go through it, but then season three will be actually in 2024. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I guess it depends how this season wraps up. In that interview with John Delancey, he said that they filmed the two seasons back to back. Yeah, if they're still there in 2024, they might wait. I don't know. I, I kind of hope that because they're almost done filming season three, we'll get it quicker. Just because I hate waiting so long for stuff. But uh, now we have uh, Picard is on board the Stargazer. He's he's met up with Seven. And here's where we get that piece of information that the Stargazer and a lot of ships now have been integrated with Borg technology from the artifact. Seven is very uncomfortable. She's like, uh, there's a lot of paranoia about the Borg, and I feel like my presence here just makes it worse. Um, and um, so then they get to the bridge. We They meet up with Rios. And I do, I do have to say, I love in Star Trek. I do enjoy the protocol of it all. You know how it's like, you know, he he comes on the bridge, and Rios is like Admiral on the bridge, and then you hear the hear the Bowman's whistle, and everybody stands up, and it's I I, I enjoy a good you know protocol scene in Star Trek as well. Um, and of course, Picard is just like, you know, as you were, as you were. Um, and uh, as he's walking around the bridge and he's seeing um, all the new stuff, you hear in the background the Next Generation theme is playing. And I, oh my gosh, I just loved that. I just love that they they gave us that little hint of the, of the Next Gen theme. So good. Um, and then th- this is the line you were talking about earlier, Stephen, where uh, Agnes says to Picard that he's looking absolutely positronic. Which is the only reference to him being <laughs> a synth in this entire episode. Yeah, that's it. Just the one little little hint. So then, uh, so then, you know, Picard's there. They open a channel, and he's like, uh, "I'm here responding to your message." And um, eventually, you know, uh, they something does start to come through the the anomaly, and it is a ship. And immediately, Seven and Picard know. It's the Borg. They immediately know. And uh, because he, he looks at her and he's like seven and she's like, you're right, Admiral. It, it's the Borg. Like she, I mean, she, she knows. I don't understand why it took them so long to reach the conclusion that we kind of already did. You know, I mean, the layered voices and everything, I don't really... I guess, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, they didn't outrightly say, as they usually do, we are the Borg. You know, that's that's how they, you know, that's like their email opener, right? Hello, we are the Borg. You know, that's what they always start with. So I guess the fact that they didn't, maybe it was, they tried to throw us off. So Golden Girls reference, when Stan comes over, he's always like, hi, it's me, Stan, and gets the door slammed in his face. So that's like the Borg usually is. <laughs> It's us, the board. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we get that scene where they're in conference because uh, now that they realize it's the board and everybody's got their shields up and they're like, oh, my God, what the hell now with, with the board? Um, 
and it's in this conference that they're talking and you know Picard Picard is basically like you know because at, at first he's like I don't know what to do here and uh and uh you know Seven's like kill him just shoot him and kill him and get it over with um but here's Picard being very typically optimistically Starfleet where he's like, maybe this is the point where history is turning. Maybe this is the point where, you know, we can put this behind us. And, and Gerardi's like, well, yeah, we should be cautious, but maybe they'll be our greatest ally. And I love Seven is just like, she gives them the look of like, you are insane. <laughs> Why are you even talking about this? And and she does talk about how they've been decimated and, and pretty much hobbled. Um, and her, her take is that this is just a different tactic to achieve assimilation. And, uh, you know, but you've got the other side of the coin where they're, they're, the other two are like really optimistic. And it, it is kind of a silly thing to be like, oh, maybe they'll become our allies. I, I just, I don't ever see that happening. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I could be missing something. They could be writing something genius into the plot. But I, I just don't see how anybody that's been in this world thinks that that's a possibility. It's, it's, it's going to go one way or the other, and, that, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm def, but I, I'm definitely on Seven's side here. Like, just, just destroy the ship, just blow it up. It's just a board ship, and if I'm, if I'm wrong, all we've done is blow up a ship. Uh, the only thing I have to say about this really is that I'm, I have more cosplay things because I definitely want to figure out how to make that mask because it's super cool. I mean, it's wait, very- what mask? The board queen? Yeah. Oh, it's it, it's so awesome. The, the design is I'm not really the huge Octavia uh, Doctor Arms not in my opinion great but the rest of that outfit is amazing. She almost looked like Venom to me. She <laughs> yeah. looked a little bit like Venom, and I was like, they're relying heavily on like some Marvel stuff here, which is funny well, to I, me, I think that nanotech and symbiote stuff is kind of similar in the way it, it mm, operates. Sure. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. It is. It makes and, sense they kind of go to what Venom looking. And we see thing. the the nanotech in the opening credits, so obviously you know that's kind of hinting that Borg are going to be the theme for the entire season. Yeah, yeah, I think I think for sure it's going to be the Borg love and time. So he's going to go back in time and he's going to fall in love with the Borg Queen, and that's it. Yes, yes, you nailed it. <laughs> He's going to fall in love with the Borg Queen, and they're going to have Borg kids, I guess. I mean, can't she even have babies? I mean, she's only half a person, right? Yeah, because yeah. in, in the... Oh, yeah, that's true. Because which which half is really... Ugh. Does he fall in love with? I think it's going to be the wrong half. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it's the Borg Queen we saw in... Where she's she's just like her her head, shoulders, and spine. That uh, might be hard to procreate, but... <laughs> well, we, we do see that scene of her head, shoulder, and spine in the this season on Picard. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when, so yeah, you're right. She does transport aboard the ship. She's able to transport through their shields. So their technology is still, you know, ahead of of the Federation. Um, and they keep saying, you know, well, we want to negotiate, but we'll only talk to Picard. We're sending our queen, like as our emissary. And you know, obviously they don't want that, but she shows up anyway. 
And right away, you know, she says, we want peace, but first we require power. And then there she goes with her Doc Ock arms and she's sucking all the power out of the ship. And she's more than doing that. She's like reroute. She's like taking over the whole ship. She's assimilating the ship. And then thanks to all of the Borg components and all the ships, uh, she's using uh, the Stargazer as a hub to assimilate the rest of the ships. Not good. And uh, I mean, there's, th- and this is kind of where the episode opened, basically. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so now uh, they're faced with this dilemma. If she reaches 100% control of the ship, they, they can't do anything. They can't, they, they've already lost communications. They can't raise the shields. They can't do anything. The last thing that they could do is blow up the ship, which Seven tells Picard, you cannot give her an armada. You know this. And so Picard starts the auto-destruct sequence, gives his code, zero, 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 destruct zero, uh, and um, starts the 10-second countdown. And this is where we get the line where she tells Picard, look up. And he's shocked, obviously. So so was I. And, uh, you know, we kind of discussed earlier in the episode... um, our, my, my crazy theory about is, is, is the Borg Queen Picard's mother somehow? Um, or is it just that they have access? Was she pulled away horror movie style because the Borg took her? Or was it... See, so so that's where I was kind of going with that with, with that scene. Like, was there a moment where... Do, did the Borg go back in time and take his mother? I mean, I, I know I'm reaching here. I do. I know I'm reaching. No, I, like, don't think, I don't think you're reaching. I think that's some of the things that the show wants us to think about. I mean, it's, it's wild, but I think that's kind of some of the threads are laying out. Of course, if a show lays out 10 threads, only one or two of them are going to pay out. But I think that's definitely one of them. They want you to pull on. It might just be like a made up memory from the trauma. That's kind of where I was like looking at that scene of like, so if, if, if that's a real memory, Right. And we talked about that that might not be what really happened. Maybe that's a child's trauma remembering a thing in a certain way. But if if that is true and she was yanked off by some unseen figure through a door, I mean, did the Borg go back in time and grab his mother and assimilate her? I don't know. Or is it just that they they knew that memory from his time with the Borg? I don't know. I don't know, and and I feel like this this episode left us with a lot of questions on on that end, as it was so I'm sure meant to, and hopefully that you know we'll pull on one of those threads and it'll be the it'll be the answer to all of our questions. Who knows with the sport queen stuff? Uh, she clearly knows the whole history with Picard and his mother. However, she knows it, I don't know. Um, but she does say to him, "Look up," and then the ships all blow up. The entire fleet blows up. Um, And then immediately we are transported back to Chateau Picard, where Picard is alive and he is laying on the floor in his uh, sunroom. And then we start to see some little changes. Um, His clothes are a little different. Um, His comm badge is very different. Um, he gets up, he's very disoriented. We get that really cool scene where he's like looking at the broken glass and there's like four images. Uh, again, talking about like time being broken and all that. Um, 
And, uh, you know, he starts walking around the house and everything is different. Like the decorations are different. The paintings on the wall, everything is now different. And he's very confused, right? So he starts calling for Laris. And instead, we get like Robo Guy, who's like, <laughs> I'm Harvey, <laughs> the synth. And would you like to drink your coffee outside? The, and he says something about how like the the solar shield is holding and I'm like, what is this? And, you know, of course, Picard is like, who the hell are you? Where's Laris? And, and, uh, you know, we get this where he just kind of, he just kind of puts his head down. Like, I can't even deal with all of this. And he's like, what is going on? And, uh, we get uh, a very familiar voice calling him Mon Capitan. And I love <laughs> Picard is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've seen his reaction when it's been like a couple of seasons in between the Q uh, appearance. Imagine how you would feel 40 years later and, oh. <laughs> and Q shows up. You keep saying 40 years and it's just making me feel old. It's not quite been that long. <laughs> right, no, it did, right? 85 was the first season of, of Next Generation, right? 89. 89? Okay. So don't, 30, don't, 30, don't make me older than I already am. <laughs> 33 years. Yeah. Okay. No, he, um, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that someone from CBS or Star Trek or something listens to our podcast, but the way that Q comes back and explains how he has uh, not aged and he was going to age up to match Picard was exactly the way we suggested last last year almost word for word it was yeah. exactly how we said it should be done and Perfect. so whoever listens to our show thank you <laughs> they should yeah. be thanking you for the idea because it was perfect i mean it just it made the most sense it's just insane that it was just exactly how we said it Ooh. yeah and uh i mean exactly as we had said you know he's oh uh you you've gotten older i uh let me let me catch up and then i i thought i the aging looked pretty pretty good on him. Um, I'm glad that they, you know, have definitely decided not to like do an entire series of him yeah. or see season of him de-aged. I, I just yeah. feel like what what's the point in that when you clearly have no more dead eyes, uh, Luke Skywalker, please. <laughs> no, thank you. We we've had enough of that. Um, and uh, and unless you've got the people who are doing the stuff for Marvel, I, I don't think you need to spend too much time on the de-aging stuff mm -hmm. so and, and you have john delancey who looks great i love the way they styled him i mean he is 74 and he he is still got the voice and everything like it's perfect like and i yeah i loved his clothes too very cool i mean brooke as i slid to like the floor in in like a puddle of mush while i was watching this <laughs> scene i was i was just I was like, man, like I know that they look different, but my eyes are like matching what I'm hearing in my ears. And it just these two are, are, are right back in, you know, next gen, just having a scene and talking it. it my favorite beginning and end to any series or anything of all time is next generation that I, I think that the first episode was a fantastic episode. And I think that the lot, the ending was, if not the best, the one or two, one A, one B of the best endings, always a wrap up a season. And I just love the concept. 
with him coming out saying, look, dude, the trial never ended. Mm-hmm. And, and and the last thing we hear in that in that whole scene is see you out there. And I, and I always felt robbed. I always felt robbed because we got four more um, four more movies after that. And that son of a bitch, bitch told me he was going to see me out there. <laughs> and he did not. He did what not see me out there. I've been out there waiting this whole time, and he did not see me out there. But here he is. He's here, and he's still telling him the trial hasn't ended yet. And I'm just like, I ah, – and it's and it's not cheesy, and it's not eye-rolly. And, and I know that it's weird because I'm selecting which member berries that I like and which one I, I think that are cheesy, and I, I – don't allow in my in my head but but man i don't care because this is every (laughs) single thing that i want and it's it's hitting all the chords and they're executing it to perfection and there's nothing that's not complete like just respect to the original characters the original story and it's it's not even like that's that's the crazy part that's the part that I'm, i'm having trouble conveying to you guys it's not it's not even paying respect to the original or paying homage. It's literally just a continuation. And and you know how impossible that is to do 27 years later or whatever? You know, like that is not easy for you to just step right back into that role and just be like, this is believable. I believe that this is the, 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 the first time that he's seen him after that scene. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh... Chancellor Palpatine comes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or anything else, Brooke, for that matter. I mean, anything else. Like, yeah, man, I really have – we've definitely hit our Star Wars limit. But but Mandalorian and, and, and has done a, a fantastic job with it and everything. But but this is – this is to me. This is this is. I'm not much of a Star Wars, but this is everything to me. And I, I and they're executing it to perfection. Now, me being on Smorgasbord, um, and 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 discover talking about Discovery week by week, episode by episode with Neil. The whole thing is about does this feel like Trek and like the Trek that you've loved and and we're we're pretty positive on the most part for that show but it it's getting a little harder with with discovery these days to to remain in that positivity and i i think that this right here just renews all my faith that it can be done just like spider-man no way home when before i went to go see it i said come on i don't want to see a rehashing of movies from the 2000s i want to see an original story that's done well i i I didn't know what i wanted because then i went and i walked out of there and i'm like oh my god what did i just see that was amazing and now i got this and i'm like oh it's possible it's possible to make new trek that has me on the edge of my seat and 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 getting the feels that i used that i had all those years ago and i was yeah, I I, it, I know that we're on a time crunch, so I'm, I'm not going to keep talking about how wonderful it is. But I was hoping that to to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on on what he actually said and what roadmap is is being laid out for for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's interesting because he's saying he says, "Welcome to the end of the road not taken." Yeah. So, so what the, does that mean? Because yeah, this is the end of the road taken, technically, right? So the end of the road not taken. I mean. It can't, you can't help but think about an episode like Tapestry, where you, and th- this to me has very Tapestry vibes, where 
you know, Q takes Picard back to that, you know, that critical moment in his youth where he gets stabbed through the heart, which would then shape who he was for the rest of his career and his life. Um, and by living it over and playing it safe, Picard becomes a very different person and uh, becomes a person that he's not happy with and doesn't respect. So the road not taken. Picard becomes uh, broccoli there. Yes, he pretty much does. Jesus. But I mean, the road not taken, I'm not sure what road he's referring to. Is it, is it, as Brooke was saying earlier, what if he doesn't, what if he didn't blow up the ship and the Borg Queen took over? Is that the road that we're talking about? If so, why are we then going back to 2024? What is that? Well, see, that's. See, I was racking my brain about that. I'm like, if he's specifically talking about Picard and his, because I think that's what everybody automatically assumes. Welcome, he's talking to Picard. Welcome to the road, you know, not the end of the road, not taken. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't necessarily mean he's talking to Picard. He might be talking about the road not taken by humanity. Exactly. So if if that's the case. The time travel stuff makes more sense. Right, exactly. Because if, it's, if this is the road not taken by humanity in general, mm-hmm. then the going back in time to try to fix something or keep something from happening or to make something happen, that does make more sense. Because otherwise, why not Otherwise, why not be just like Quantum Leap about it and travel back within Picard's own lifetime? You're traveling back to 2024 long before he was right. born. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It it has to be something because like, of course, like when we heard that in the previews, my, my head automatically this the last six months or whatever, waiting for this to come out as I was like, Oh, so what, what decisions, what turning points of Picard's life are they going to revisit? And, and now I'm pretty convinced that it's not just about Picard. It's about the Federation about humanity and about, you know, reflecting on, the, the things that we did as as an entire race to get to where we are now. And, and if he's saying that the trial never ended, remember that that was a trial of humanity. humanity. It was not yeah. a trial of Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, Jean-Luc even just happened crew. to represent, just happened exactly. to be the representative was, of humanity. Absolutely, you're right. You're it, was, right. He, it was humanity being put on trial and with Picard representing them. Yeah, and it's, it's all the all the Q stuff is not Q picking specifically on Picard and the Enterprise crew. It's just that this is what he's found to represent all of humankind. Yes, exactly. So I think... I do not. I do not believe it is. The only way they could make it personal to Picard is if they go back to 2024 and they have to interact with one of Picard's ancestors, which I guess you know they they could do. But I do am leaning like you more towards this is something more wide. This is something more of a wide scope. This is this is a road that humanity did not take. And this is how it ended up. And now here's your chance to go fix it. Although Q says this is not about learning a lesson. This is about penance. Right. And right. That, that's actually the title of episode two, by the way, is penance. So mm-hmm. penance for what? That is another big question mark. What is Picard paying penance for? Again, is it something personal or is it um, is it something humanity-wise? So here, here's my last like theory conspiracy theory thing is that we've never heard the origin of the Borg. And what if we find out that we created the Borg? Oh my gosh. What? 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 That, that, the, 
You know what I mean? Interesting. That we we created this whole mess and this whole problem, and that the Borg are coming to us from help for help, and we wanting to instantly deny that we're denying our own flock, our own creation. Our own creation wants to come back to the fold for a, a mistake that we made early in our in our experiments. You know, that what I mean? is very interesting. And well, and the Borg pretty much only assimilate assimilates humans or I mean bipedal humanoid like creatures. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. They might not be able to assimilate things that are like. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's my my that's my big. Ball bomb dropping, drop mic dropping moment for me is that I'm starting to to get the vibes that that that's what we're gonna find out since we've never really found out like an origin of the Borg. That's uh, you know I kind of like what you're talking about here, Stephen, because I know I uh, yeah they they really never come out and expressly stated the origin of the Borg, but it would be very interesting if we somehow did something to create it, but. If that's the case, that's a, that's pretty recent in our history, right? Yeah. Twenty twenty four is pretty recent in our history. Uh, the Borg have only had three hundred years to make it all the way out to the Delta Quadrant and assimilate millions and millions of. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I think that's I think that's plausible. I think they can write around that. Okay. Okay. I, I do. I think that three hundred years is plenty of time. The way they consume worlds, absolutely. And Guinan has said that she's centuries old so she she definitely could be 250 years old and 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 that the borg is still was active early in their in their active periods were, was when they assimilated her world mm-hmm. but i mean i could be wrong there could be somebody listening to this podcast right now that says that that there's something in canon that's mentioned that the borg have been around for a thousand years i i don't know but i for the, for the most part i cannot think of Anything that ties them to ancient times or a huge long past, the only thing that they would have to overcome is the fact that they, when we first introduced to them, they were very, very, very far away and they were unaware of of who we were. But honestly, I I, I think that some creative writing could really get us there pretty easily without doing much heavy lifting. Just to say there's not more time travel involved when it comes to that. I mean, you know, they could have gone back in time. And worked it up later. Yeah, and Annika's parents were actually, you know, government agents that were privy to this information, and they were actually on a journey to meet up with them and and try to to, to check up on them or whatever. I, I don't know. That's that's probably pushing it too much. But it, it is strange that Annika's parents just went out into the void to 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 study the Borg. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm supposedly you, you know years before we knew who they were yeah yeah it, it that i mean they kind of wrote her parents almost like they were like space hippies like they kind of just did their own thing and, right. and just you know did whatever and that's how they they accidentally ran into the borg and then of course it ended up terribly for all of them mm-hmm. but you know I think with creative writing yeah you could do a lot of interesting stuff with the timeline um and with time travel um, I'm definitely looking forward to next next week's episode to see what this penance is. Um, I'm looking forward to more interaction between Picard and Q um, because Picard's definitely got the I'm tool for this bullshit <laughs> attitude. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to see 
him and you know get his I'm I'm guessing Q is going to help him with a snap of his fingers assemble his crew together um to yeah. go into go into their space you know go go into their time adventure and does um, that snapping of the fingers somehow bring Brent Spiner into the to the mix I don't well how does that play into it I mean there well they could easily put that as that's one of Soong's ancestors, and they just get oh, Brent yeah. Spiner to always play him. I mean, yeah, I they, all the <laughs> they all look the same. They all look like Brent Spiner. Shit, what if what if Soong is his early, not early stuff, but like his ancestors' early stuff and 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 curiosities led well, to some technology I, that led to the Borg? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, Brent Brent Spiner was was on Enterprise as well, playing an ancestor of Soong yeah. and uh, the way the episode ends, uh, it's kind of like this funny little, oh, uh, maybe I'll go into cybernetics or something. It's right. kind of like that. It's like, oh boy, you know, it's like one of those It's moments. really weird for me to look at Brent's fire, uh, the age he is now, because one of my uncles shaved off his full beard and mustache and everything, and now he looks just like him. Like, their hair is turned the same. <laughs> it's weird. I can't. That's funny. <laughs> Sorry, is there any shot we get? I know that that the actor uh, Avery Brooks has said several times that he's done with Trek. Obviously, he doesn't even go to conventions anymore. Right. But didn't um, Robert Beltran say the exact same thing? And now he's in his voice is in Prodigy. Yeah, I know Robert Beltran. I'm shocked that he's back because he always talks so much smack about Star Trek. So going to 2020. So I, I. I definitely, I definitely double checked, and and bell riots were in September of 2024. So well, there you go. Maybe if we're they going roll back up, the dude, if they roll up and Avery Brooks walks out, I can die. I will lose it. Or Brashear, actually, Brashear is probably uh, more likely that they run into Brashear or something, right? Oh my god! If they if they do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna die. I'll it's, lose it. Oh gosh! That's a specific time. Why would they bother? Yeah, that's very interesting. And they are in California. That is where the Bell Riots were. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. How, how sick would that cameo be? I know, right? How sick would that cameo be? <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, gosh. Exactly. I don't know. You guys spoke into, uh, you know, existence, the, the, the Q line. So, I mean, just speak it into existence that we'll get to see. Books, so. Oh, gosh. I didn't know we had that much power. Yes, you okay, do. I'm gonna yes, do you it. Do. <laughs> I'm manifesting. <laughs> uh, well, that that's our episode. Um, that is our first episode of Star Trek uh, Picard season two. I think overall, I think we all, I think we all liked it a whole lot. Uh, I mean, we of course we have our nitpicks, and things we didn't like, but I think overall we can agree it was a really, really good episode of Trek. I can definitely agree with that. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I really wish I had watched season one again before this. Agreed. I, I feel the same way. I wish I would have before this recording that I could kind of understand where these characters are right now. You know, I have to say I did do a season one rewatch and I'm really glad that I did. I felt like it helped remind me of a lot of stuff that I'd forgotten about. So, yeah, if you have the time, go back and rewatch season one. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks for joining us for our uh, first episode back. Appreciate it. Absolutely. If you guys ever want to check out uh, week-to-week breakdowns of Lower Decks or Voyager, uh, Voyager, I wish, um, (laughs) or uh, Discovery, come check us out on Smorgasbord, a Star Trek Universe podcast available anywhere you get your podcasts. 
Excellent. I know. Oh, I know. I know. Our our good friend Neil is your co-host, and uh, we always love talking to him as well about Star Trek. So, uh, yeah, definitely listen to Smorgasbord. Um, I think you guys do some really. I think you guys have some really great conversations about. Like, I, I started listening to you with the lower deck stuff, but uh, I've stayed on for the Discovery talk. So nice. I have enjoyed very much how you break down the episodes and talk about the themes and, and the theories. And yes, Neil does like to be like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I'm but like, Neil, okay. Neil, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't care. That's stupid. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All Moving right, on. Awesome. And uh, of course, thanks. Thanks to my co-host Brooke, who's with me every week because they're the best. And uh, <laughs> it's good to be back. It is definitely good to be back. and um, Yeah, and we saw each other, like, a couple weeks ago. It was really great. I know. We actually saw each other in person for the first time in, like, two years. It was, it was, it was really great. It was, a, it was awesome. Yes, as it always is, but it was very short this time. It was only, like, we got to spend, like, a day and a half together, maybe two days <laughs> together. But we had a blast in New York City. Uh, for the, that time together, and it just, it was great to be, it was great to be in the same room with you, and just be able to spend time with you face-to-face. Well, I'll be seeing you in Lexington in about three weeks, apparently. Yes! Yeah. <gasps> Lucky! Oh, man. <laughs> well, enjoy that, you guys. Yeah, have fun. Thanks for um, having me again. I really, really oh, appreciate it. I'm so, so happy our, you guys are back. Our pleasure. Thanks, and thank you, and thanks to everybody who's still listening to us. We, we appreciate you listening. Um, of course, you know, keep, stay... Stay listening to the end so you can find out how you can email us and interact with us online. We do love to hear your emails. We love to hear your thoughts and theories and even your corrections. But, you know, remember, we are just people. So correct us gently, if you would. Um, And uh, until next week, keep boldly going where no one has gone before. See ya. by Rebecca and Brooke. You can find us at facebook.com slash picardcast, on twitter.com at thepicardcast, or email us at picardcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.